Hey, Mac, when does deer season start? Well, if you want the best deer herd possible, Lanny, you need to start right now. Right now. That's, That's why right. we're starting our promotion. I mean, we've got a deer season starts now promotion on plantbiologic.com where you can pick up our game changer soybeans, our forage soybeans, and our spring protein peas. While you're there, you might as well go ahead and pick up some brassicas like our final forage and winter bowls. Yeah, stock up for the cool season planting right now. Listeners to the GK Podcast, if you use coupon code GKPOD, you can save an additional 10% off our entire selection of warm season, cool season, and clover food plot seed. Get started today and visit plantbiologic.com for an unforgettable fall. I am Jeff Foxworthy, and welcome to Gamekeeper Podcast. If you want to learn more about farming for wildlife and habitat management, then, buddy, you are in the right place. Join the Gamekeeper crew direct from Mossy Oak Land Enhancement Studio as they discuss the latest wildlife and habitat management practices, news, and, of course, hunting. There's no telling what you'll learn, but I'm going to tell you, I bet it's interesting. Enjoy. Three, two, one. Okay. All right. Thank you, Jason. We got the old uh, producer sitting there at the at the board, uh, yeah. Jason Cleveland. Good to have you back, from, Cleveland, from the land of the Cleve, whatever wherever that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the old George Bush bullhorn standing over nine one one there. Yeah, Jason, something else. Yes, now. sir. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, look, today this is going to be uh, really interesting. What something that we all that we all enjoy shooting doves. It's one of our favorite patterns. I'm looking at Toxie. I'm looking at Bobby. And, and, I like shooting doves. Bobby is totally, completely obsessed and mesmerized by it. I Have you ever noticed it. how he always ends up at the best spot and beats everybody to no, it? I've never not, noticed that. I, not in my place he yeah, doesn't. No, I've never noticed that, Dudley. So, uh, so we're going to talk about planting sunflowers. And, uh, you know, it's as you mentioned a few minutes ago, it's probably past time. But, uh, well, it depends on what you're doing with it. I mean. It's probably late for the open day of dove season, sure. That's, that's exactly right. However, now, there's the, a lot more. That's the primary, but there's a lot more benefit from sunflowers than just go shoot a dove over it, too. Yeah. And then a, a guy was telling me the other day that well, it depends on that when that opening day is. But he said, also, don't forget you you, you want to have doves later on, so planting them a little later yeah. makes sense. Have, so. That's absolutely the fact. Yeah. it's a And overlooked. It's a shame that it seems like most folks – hunt that first day or that first weekend and then just don't go anymore that's a national statistic that it, most people hunt that first weekend oh, and yeah. that's it and it's honestly so much more fun a little later it cooled is, off yeah it cools off you know, the dog, it's better on the dogs better on the dogs yeah. actually less people competing with them with less like dove feels going on and so uh, I haven't done it a lot but I have the older I get the more I enjoy it later season is incredible you know when yeah. you can have them, yeah, sure is. So we've got we've got two guests here today. We've got Twinkie Estes, <laughs> and he's from Nutrien, if I'm pronouncing that right. That's correct. Uh, Twinkie went to Mississippi State. Uh, he's been in the ag for a long time. Uh, you're a character around here. We see you <laughs> hanging around all the time. Uh, but but we're going to get some knowledge from you about sunflowers. Yes, sir. Uh, but thank you for being here. We yes, ought to sir. hit the horns for Twinkie if we could. Yeah. All right. And, 
And then on the other end of the couch, we don't need to hit the horns on this one <laughs> in a big way, but we've got Clay Davis, who is uh, typically he is our auto- automotive service specialist. Uh, he's you know he's, he works on everything around here, but he's got some knowledge on planting sunflowers. He is the mossy oak Swiss Army knife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good way. So well, let's hit the horns for Clay. Might as well. Yeah. As go. many okay. times as he's bailed you out, and you won't hit the horns. Yeah, I know. That, I just I had a, a just a flat. When I look at Clay, though, I just know something's about something he's up something to something. mischievous commonly with anybody here he gets a call from anyone who's like clay um i've got a problem <laughs> that's how it starts out most of the time that's it yeah <laughs> so before we get started Tox, i want to tell you you know this is uh we, we talked about this podcast kind of shining a light on the culture of mossy oak and, and, and people kind of get to see a little glimpse into the window what it's like twinkie you've been around here you know what it's yep. like but yeah, yesterday I had a really odd experience. Yesterday, I walk out in the warehouse, and I'm I'm, I'm doing something, and I'm, I kind of go behind the warehouse. I go down the little ramp, and there is Riley hanging upside down on an inversion table, <laughs> smoking a cigarette, <laughs> hanging wow. upside down. I, I've never seen anything like it in my life. That, that's a first. Well, he's he's a good multitasker. That's yep. good. Yep. Well, he said True. it helps his back. And, and well, it helps his back. Well, we used to have workout equipment here. I don't know where it all went when they yeah, renovated, but it used to be a workout pad out there with weights and inversion tables and everything. Yeah. So, But uh, I'm telling you, walking out there and seeing him hanging upside down smoking a cigarette was... <laughs> <laughs> I hope you videoed it. <laughs> no, I didn't have my phone with me. But <laughs> So, look, how do we get started here? Uh, Twinkie, tell us a, what your experience with sunflowers, and we really want to kind of go down the road of the, these modern sunflowers that are more herbicide resistant. Yeah. You know, it's just like anything else. You plant a garden, you, you grow it for crop or whatever, uh, and it's all about preparation and knowledge of what you're doing and all your chemo- knowing your herbicides, knowing your seed, your soil type, everything like that. Uh, I'd say, you know, January, February, just as soon as you can, I would pull a soil sample on my soil, you know. First, you're going to want to pick a good good spot, plenty of sunlight. You know, you don't want to plant sunflowers in the middle of a bottom where it's not going to be no sunlight. Your plants just aren't going to grow. Well, you'd pull a soil sample and send it off and get your analysis, see if you need a lime or if your phosphorus, nitrogen, or potassium levels are out of whack. You know, just uh, kind of make you a maintenance blend is what we call it kind of in the ag world and you just spread it and um once that comes around uh you know that's people people think you can just plow ground up those seed in there and have a healthy plant well you can't if your fertility's right not right in your soil you're you're fighting an uphill battle you know i mean it's just everything has got to be you want everything to hit the ground running and that plant never lack for the correct nutrients um just and you know that's you could really pull that in the fall when it's a little drier. Sometimes in January, February, it's muddy and you can't get out there with your soil sample probe and all that. Uh, so it's not going to change between that the fall and the when you that I, much. No, sir, I wouldn't think. Uh, that's just kind of how you know in the row crop world we pull samples in the fall after you pull a crop off to see what you need to replace as to you know kind of counterbalance and make everything. Replace what you took off from that crop. Yeah. And, of course, the, the bigger crop you pull off, the more nutrients you're going to have to add back to the soil. And likely most times where you're going to be planting a sunflower field, uh, I'm going to say it's probably not been in production very much. 
as far as row crop or any kind of thing, really. So your soil is probably really going to be lacking in certain nutrients. And you just kind of, you know, you want to start out with a good, strong fertility base and go from there. Uh, and there's a lot of, there's several types of sunflowers. That's right. What do y'all having the most success with? Oh, uh, we use a brand called Dynagrow Seeds, Game Plan Sunflowers. They're clear field sunflowers, and they're kind of bred for this part of the world. And it's uh, clear field means that you can spray over the top. You with, can, there's a chemical called Beyond, which the active in it is a mazamox, and uh, that's a, that that plant is bred to be able to spray that chemical over the top of it for your weed, you know, your weed battle and all that. That's one of the magic chemicals of gamekeeping for me because um, yes yeah. I, from the day i became aware of it and tried it because uh even if you just take something that's grown up out there and you spray the same formula we spray on sunflowers you're going to turn just bare ground into more productive because it typically um, it kills very few forbs and almost no lagoons but everything else so you you'll kill broad leaves that roundup won't even kill Mm-hmm. So the combination of that with like clethorum, a great grass killer, you you know everybody's like whatever thinking Roundup Ready. At least the gamekeeper guy, oh Roundup Ready makes it easy. This is actually probably better, and it's much more environmentally friendly too. Mm-hmm. I love it because uh, honestly, not just because of this, but it is a magic weapon on clovers. Mm. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. The other trade name is Rafter. Um, some of the the one of the generics that yep. folks get is called IMOX. Well, there's a it, I believe it originated as an aquatic and Clearcast is a virgin, and it's all the exact same formula numbers, everything on all of those. So wherever you can get your hands on some, uh, and the thing that's ironic, when you start doing digging a little research, it is so I believe if I'm right, and Twinkie could correct me or not, but it's so safe that when you're it's expensive to do an aquatic treatment, but it's really, really effective. It's like a gallon an acre. But um, it is so safe that it's not even labeled. You can drink water, you can, you know, or, or cattle can drink water, or you can fish. I mean, a lot of chemicals, there's like a waiting period, a day or two, a week or whatever. Uh, but it has no, it's not even labeled hazardous, if I'm not mistaken. It's very, very environmentally safe. Now, correct me if I'm wrong out there, somebody, but I believe that's the case. And I... You know, we got to have stuff that works. But when something's really environmentally friendly, that should be an extra bonus in us pushing it here as gamekeepers and taking care of the world, like the earth, like we do, you know. Yeah. So I love it. Yeah. So the sunflowers y'all are using are these smaller black oil sunflowers? They are. Uh, and uh, the the ones we use are treated with the fungicide and insecticide to help, you know, because a bunch of times your planting date is going to uh, depend on your environmental conditions, you know, if – you can't just say, I'm going to plant sunflowers May 20th. Well, it could have done come two inches of rain and cooler temperatures and all that. Well, if you say you plant your seeds and you come up with cold nights and a lot of rain, you're going to have bugs and funguses going on. So that's going to kind of help help that seed hold its vigor and stuff and keep less damage coming out, you know. And the, the beauty of this clear field sunflower is that you know doves love bare ground they don't like weeds underneath those sunflowers nope. at all Mm-mm. i mean it's a right. difference between a two out of ten dove field and a ten out of ten dove field and so that that clear field gene or whatever they call it uh is definitely the way to go when you're when you're planting yeah and the and the black oil sunflowers are the ones that are the most preferred by birds right. well obviously too you don't want a huge 
sunflower for doves. Yeah, they. I'm pretty yeah. sure they swallow it whole. Yep. In fact, I know they do. I've checked their crop. Yeah, that's interesting because no, they don't crack them up. Smaller birds crack them in there. Well, so what can you tell us about? Uh, and Clay, you may need to jump in here as well. Like, uh, as far as planting techniques, uh, so I'm going to say, you know, just assume February, especially this part of the world, we start getting warmer days, and longer days, a little bit. Well, that's bringing on your grasses, your weeds, and everything else. So I'm going to say around March, you know, mid March, as soon as it's dry, I would recommend going in there spraying what we call in the row crop world. A burn down pass, which is typically a broadleaf killer and uh, Roundup glyphosate, you know. And what you're doing there is you're going to make your tillage a whole lot easier. You won't have all that excess vegetation to deal with. And you're also killing these plants when they're smaller and you won't have a, such a big seed bank before they go to seed head. Uh, something we kind of do in our line of work is a saying is you start clean, you stay clean. So that's, you know, uh, how Dudley, how you were talking about you wanted a clean, doves love a clean field. Well, say you plant sunflowers and you get a seed bank come up and grass where you don't have your clean field there. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a bunch of people, when you, when we use a bunch of pre-emerges and when you say, you know, when you tell somebody to go spray a pre-emerge, you're like, well, it's clean out there. Well, yeah, what you can see, but you don't know what seed has done got under since your tillage and all that. And all it is waiting on is a rain to sprout. And then, you know, you're behind the eight ball on that deal. Uh, kind of a recipe we use is, like I said, March, you know, I'd say do a quarter of uh, Roundup to the acre and a quarter of 2,4-D with a crop oil at 1%. The crop oil is going to kind of heat it up and make everything stick. You're going to get a good kill. And uh, that's going to, you know, it's still early there, so you're going to have two to three weeks to kind of make sure your equipment's ready, you know, kind of unlike our partner over here. He's <laughs> last minute, man. But anyways. Uh, so you mix those two chemicals? Blame a lot of his problems on me. I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm the one last minute passing it down, too. So did you say, by the way, did you say a quart of 2,4-D? You can't. No, four, wow. pi- four pound material. Okay. Because, yeah. I mean, you. Wow. So you got to think at this. I've always you, been a pint guy on 2,4-D. No, quart. You want to take care of it. Yeah, but y'all are, yeah. y'all are mixing this. With, right, correct. Right, but, yeah. So the Roundup won't kill no, the glyphosate, I no, should The glyphosate is a, is a grass killer, and uh, your round your 2,4-D would be your broadleaf. There's killer. so many broadleaves. It's yeah, labeled but, as a non-selective, yeah. but it's right. it's weak on you know some of the pig weeds and things that you yes. really don't want in, an, in any kind of ag field. Yep. There's so. a bunch of resistance, and stuff's coming on that's resistant, and, too. And, you know, a big problem we're running into now is Italian ryegrass that glyphosate will not kill. I mean, you can, yes. no matter how hot you get it, it, it it's going to. It will not kill it. You think, so, does it kill it when it's teeny-weeny, you think? Like an I, inch? I don't think so. Wow. Uh, that's, we're having to use clethrum. Yeah. Which oh, that's ra- what I, which, yeah. which is a great chemical, but, you know, clethrum has a plant back on corn. So when we, you know, corn's a grass, so when you spray your select or clethrum, you have to take into account how quick am I going to be planting corn. Right. So how long does that residually last in the soil? Uh, it depends on rainfall, you know, uh, so, like, on say, we got our field ready, we dest everything, and we spray our residual. Uh, you're gonna, I'm going to say you're going to have around three week, three to four weeks with it. Uh, we add a product called Infuse, which is like a soil profile enhancer, and it's going to give you another uh, extra week or two out of the your residual. 
and the rain the rain is your biggest factor because when you spray it you need rain to put it in the soil and to activate it right within i'd say 10 days you know so does it matter clay versus sandy loam uh it does uh you know the the clay soil is gonna hold it a little better the sandier the sandier you're gonna get more rain and it's gonna leach yes all this stuff's Uh, on the label too yeah yeah everything always double check the label so have you got i mean I didn't mention this uh, earlier. You spend your your career is helping farmers, Correct. and, and you're and so you're in this row crop world. Have you guys through your experience have y'all figured out some some formulas for for row spacing and seed count per acre, et cetera, that work best for doves? So I'm going to say on the sunflowers, you, you want to shoot for a population of twenty three thousand to twenty five thousand plants per acre. Uh, we plant around twenty five thousand, hoping for a twenty four thousand count count stand. And uh, as far as row spacing, I would say at least thirty inch rows. The fifteen inch rows are just going to be too narrow, and your plant's not going. It's going to grow up instead of put bushing out and putting a head on. So I would say thirty. You know, a common row spacing in the row crop world is thirty eight inch or thirty inch rows. Either of those two would be optimal. And you can broadcast some flowers. It's just you know, it it, it kind of gives me anxiety to look out there and not see a perfect row, and you be able to look down a row and see a uniform plan yeah. uh, stand count. Broadcast works fine, but like you said, you know, it's also nice to have those wider rows again, more for the bare ground effect. Right, a dove's less apt to land in a, a bunch of thick plants. Right. Well, you don't hardly get the stand you do. You don't get the volume of head when you broadcast them. They right. shade each other out. And it's so random. Makes- Clay's talking about, yeah, it could be just right, but half of them are too close. And so I've planted sunflowers too thick before, whatever, 25 years ago. And, uh, and they look beautiful, but the seed didn't put any meat in. And we didn't have, we had very few, if any, doves used them. So- I planted a, a little small area of some about a month ago. <laughs> and and they were looking great till about a week ago and then overnight the deer just ate every one of them. That that's something you see a lot in sunflowers. Yep. Especially if you're gonna plant a sunflower where there's no other kind of food plot, food source or nothing. First thing they're going for is that sunflower. It'll it'll get up, look good, get about ankle high, and they'll just bite the tops out of it. I mean and they'll do it at all sizes. I've that, seen them let them get big enough and then take when the first blooms popped out kind of half the size of your fist, like a knot, they went in and just snipped all the blooms off. Didn't even eat the leaves. Just took them all. So, yeah, I mean. Is that the dough stage they talk about? That's, the doughy stage? I guess. No, the doughy stage is when the seed is first forming on the head, and it's real I got It's real kind of soft. Yeah, this like, would be before that know? even. So, I mean, I, I'd, I'd encourage people, if you're not in some area in the wide open spaces and whatever, um, I would say, from my experience, the first time or two you plant them somewhere and there's not too much cover and too much density of deer, we did great. It was like, wow, they're not even bothering them. But I think once they discover, then you're on to a different timetable. And so we have the place out by the cabin. We've had some great hunts. Y'all been on some of them years ago. And then every year went by, it got harder and harder. And even to the point where I had the electric fence up a couple years ago and still – uh, you know, hogs can't stand an electric fence, but sometimes, you know, if they go popping into it and go crazy, they tear it all to hell, and I wasn't out there. So next thing I know, just in a week's time, it went from great to hogs to- destroyed the fence somehow, and then deer immediately found it and 
you know, my experience is if 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 they ever know what's there, it's going to be ten times harder to keep them out. Yeah. If you're going to do it, what I'm getting at, be prepared to protect it. If you're even concerned, you have any deer in the area, because if not, you're going to waste a lot of money. It's not that much more to protect it. Yeah. Well, that and like that's another thing. If a deer ever discover it, if you're only going to plant one or two or three acres, you can hang it up. They're going to nip it down. We looked at we sprayed some epoxy stuff the other day, Twinkie and I, and it's they've eaten them down to the ground. I mean, we're two weeks ago they were pretty good size. And this is out in the open prairie. Yeah. I think what happened out there is that we hadn't bush hogged any of that grass right below it. No. There's probably. 15, oh, they're bedded 15, down there. 20 everywhere. acres yeah. there's bedding all in there. Yeah. And the thing about it, they've got a couple hundred acres of soybeans back there that have just come up. They're still eating the sunflowers. So, Twinkie, there's a guy that I know from over in Demopolis named Vandy Collins. A lot of people know him. He, incredible guy for dove shoots. That's right. kind of what his focus is. And he, he plants these sunflowers that you're talking about, basically exactly what you're saying. Uh, and, and he'll tell you, unless you put up an electric fence, you're not going to have a and he was telling me the other day that he planted eight acres for a guy, and I, I can't remember what they what it cost to put an electric fence there. It's, but, it's but expensive. I was actually surprised, at least on two year ago prices, uh, how effect, cost effective it was per se. With you know, you can buy what a, a forty acre unit. Now that's not necessarily forty acres. That's like depends how much wires coming off on it all. But you can reuse them year after year after year where. Other things you'd have to, you know, you'd go through it and be done. Now, there's good deer repellents out there too. That's another topic. Yeah. He probably knows of some. Yeah, you got some last year from someone, and uh, we've sold some before. And there's one I know they use on beans to probably be real effective. I know some names. I but I'll let him speak to that. But you know, it might be your best route. I know uh, also Dudley's a big fan, and so is Glenn Garner. Works for Jeff Foxworthy, Malagranite. But that's because they could get it dumped. And spread it, you know, he'll, he said he can spread it for his fertilizer and actually grow a four or five acre field of soybeans in the middle of all the woods because deer will not get near it for 30 or more days. And then it's gotten a jump start. So I don't know, deer repellent is probably going to be the answer for people that really want to do sunflowers yes. at some point. My experience on the deer repellent is it, it works for a little while and like anything else, the deer are smart enough, they, they start putting two and two together. Well, I'm coming here every day and... And ain't nothing changing, so I'm going to get a little braver, a little braver, a yep. little braver. But it, by doing that, also, you could buy some time. You know, if you get two weeks out of it, that's in the rainfall, that's great growth, and the sunflowers could possibly outgrow the deer, you know. And then by then, like you said, soybeans start coming up and stuff like that, and they kind of kind of disperse. But, you know, that's just a guessing game opinion, I guess. That's a big plant. It's got to use a – it's. You, like you just mentioned, they're kind of drought tolerant, but it probably takes a lot of moisture to get that plant up. And well, uh, speak to that, Twink. I'd say uh, sunflower is probably a, a medium water use plant. You know, like uh, too much water can be just as detrimental as yep. not enough water. Uh, I'm gonna say a sunflower is gonna set a good root and it's gonna reach down there and grab the nutrients and the moisture it needs. And you know, uh, the the thing Clay and I seen this year is. <laughs> He uh, planted into some bone dry dirt that was probably hard as his concrete, and they just sat there. And uh, you'd go out there and you'd see the seed seed still be in the trench, but it wouldn't be germing. But it's the minute we got rain, they started sprouting. And the more rain we got, they just come up. We went up and sprayed the other day, and it was I mean it's amazing what it looks like. What a little bit of moisture would do for it. Well, that's what that's the thing too. Me and him were worried because we thought that we were going to have just a whole bunch of bare spots well 
we rushed to prep the ground. There's a couple things that worked against us. One, we thought we were running out of time because of forecast that it was going to rain for 13 to 14 days straight. By then, we knew it was going to be too late to get them in for first season. So we rushed to get them in the ground. It didn't get any rain. And on top of that, what people forget about, we still had cold nights. So we still had cold soil. But we didn't have anything for the first week, and we didn't get no rain. And finally, we got, what, two-tenths of an inch? So we had some that were light in the seed beds that came through, and we could see them. But the ones that were buried to correct depth did not come up. Therefore, we thought, okay, we got a whole bunch of bare spots. This thing going to work. Two weeks later, we get a good hard rain. And like I said, we went out there the other day. We got a pretty good stand. Um, the other thing people don't talk about is when you're prepping that ground, just because you diss that ground, you didn't kill that grass. You didn't do anything. Unless that grass has been killed ahead of time, just disking it don't do nothing. So that's why it's a very good idea to spray pre-emerge. Twinkie and I sprayed pre-emerge on one plot. We didn't on some other. The The spots that we played sprayed pre-emerge on, other than milkweed coming back, it didn't have no competition. So it's night and day difference. It is. So you... Let's let's go over this again. You did a burn down. Let we did not die. do a burn we, down. We, okay. we were so hard pressed for time, and we did not do a burn down pass. But Would typically, you, you typically, do a burn down. Typically, I you wait. I'll kind of run you through it here. Typically, you do a you would do a burn down pass in March to kill everything when it's it's easy to kill a weed and a grass when it's ankle high. So give us a time. You want a month? You want three weeks? Six weeks? Well, how much you want? I would I would say try to do your burn down. Uh, three to four weeks before you plan on planting. So just time out. Dudley has become genius at these no plow food plots now. Yeah. And wouldn't you say the same three four weeks on your burn down for that? I usually three or four or two or three. Yeah. yeah. Because I'm not gonna go behind it and disc it. Right. So, right. But you want it dead and brittle. Dead food. and brittle. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, so uh, after your burn down pass, uh, you know, make sure all your equipment's ready, Clay. Uh, and, clay, clay goes toxic. You know, uh, I'm a I'm a tillage man. I like dirt, uh, no till, no yields. My you know my kind of method. So, uh, just and folks think you can go in there and just disc and go in there and plant it. That's not. You need to go in there and disc it and take a drag hair field cultivator, roller packer, culture packer, something, and make that ground look like powder. I'm talking about because a smooth, firm seed bed. One, you don't want the you don't want the big clods because when that plant's trying to push up, you don't want a big old Mississippi clay clod laying on it, and it's not going to have the strength to push through it. Correct. So soil type's going to make a big difference. Oh yeah, so we, absolutely. We get cursed with this, but now it's great in a drought. But this buckshot around here, yeah, it's a whole different situation. And people are blessed with like sandy loam soils because honestly. I've noticed even in a drought, that sandy loam was a little bit better because it seals everything over. And our heavy prairie, even if we prepped it, like he said, we'll still have a few cracks in it unless yeah. we have a big rain. So mm-hmm. it's it's we're in the most difficult soil. Well, he and, just said something important right there, sealing it over. So here's another thing. we Say we didn't do a burn down, we didn't spray anything. We just went in there with bush hog and we diss, which most people do. You diss that ground, most people think that grass is dead. Well, then you go back and roll it, culture pack it, whatever you do. You do exactly what he did. You seal that seed right back in that ground. So even if you do spray a pre-emerge, some stuff that's sealed up under it is already planted. It's like it's planted. It's coming up. So that's why Twinkie and I had a problem with milkweed, because we didn't have time. We dissed it. We rolled it. We didn't do nothing to replant that uh, milkweed. And you also, you want your seed bed, your your field to be really smooth, because what what people don't take into account is when, when you're planting in that tractor, well, if that tractor's bopping and weaving, your planter's not staying down, you know, unless you got all this high-tech downforce and all that. So every time that plant kicks up, you're not getting consistent 
singulation from your seed and also the correct seed depth and all that, you know. Another thing to slow down a little bit in planting will help too. Yeah, yeah that's that's it. You know, you want to, because I'm going to say your average food plot person is going to have a, a older older model uh, planter. So that's at, gonna, at best. At best. So, you know, it's not ginning like these high-speed planters and all that. You know, slow down, take your time, let it drop the seed in the correct trench, the correct depth. And you're, you know, you're, you're headed, headed north then. Okay. We've done our burn down. We're uh-huh. skipping around here. Yeah. <laughs> we've, we've dissed it, prepped it, culti-packed yep. it. Now we've planted it on 30 to 38 inch so, wide rows. So ideally, you know, everybody, he, you, everybody thinks rain's coming. I got to get my seed in the ground. I'm not a fan of that, you know, cause say we plant this seed and it comes with two inch rain. It's going to send that stuff to China and we're, we're done. So, I'd say get your field prep work, get everything like you like it, and then let, you know, get you a half inch of rain to settle that stuff and pack it back down. That way, when you plant, you're using a, a it, it's more sticky and it's closing it. Whereas if you just go in there right after it's powder, you're not getting a good seal. I mean, a wind come by, and if you didn't plant that seed but half inch, a good wind come by, blow dirt right off and open the trench there. Well, it can, it can pack it too in our yeah. world. If you, if we're not, if the soil's different depths and you're planting some a little too yep. deep, this clay's not forgiving. So it it's better than soybeans. They're really bad about it. I mean, I've seen yep. friends of ours replant hundreds of acres of soybeans because of a heavy rain. You get a heavy planting. rain and it's a crust and it just plant don't have enough power to push through it. That's right. Yep. So what about the pre emerge? When do you do that step? <clears throat> the pre emerge you plant Same and then day. and then you follow the planter with the pre emerge. And that's typically prowl or a generic. Oh, uh, what what we like to use is a product called Authority Elite, which is Sulfentrazone and Dual. Okay. Really really you're gonna want any dual product, dual magnum, metallicor is active in it. Gotcha. And uh I know this is kind of a restricted chemical, but I, I like to use Gramoxone Paraquat because you kill everything that's out there, it's no question. But, you know, if you don't have a RUP license or anything like that. Uh, and that's on your burn down. No, that's on your pre-emerge. Pre-emerge, okay. Because, yeah, I mean, it'll burn and it's over with. Yeah, it, it's, it burns, it's over with, and that comes back to the start out clean, stay clean. Gotcha. And then, uh, you know, and don't be scared to, to, like, when you come back in with your Beyond or your Select, don't let it take over, you know. Right. You got to get in there and hammer that stuff when it's little and clean it up. I mean, Okay, so maybe... Two to four weeks after everything comes up, you come back. I would say, you know, with with sufficient rainfall and stuff, uh, after your pre-emerge, your plant, you should get around four to six weeks of, okay. of residual out of your pre-emerge. And then after that, you need to be looking at, you know, well, I need to be lining up coming here with the... And also, a thing we have seen is when you plant, if you have a chance to spread a little nitrogen, you know, I'd say 10 units just to... Just to give it a start when it sets roots, it's picking it up and it's you know it's lighting a fire under it and it's headed out. Would there. you want to incorporate that or uh, top dress it? You know, you could top dress. It all depends on what kind of method you had, uh, your means to apply it. You know, of course, if you had a a knife and rig, yeah. you'd go through there. Oh yeah, not and, many people and, have and that. It, but maybe if you're getting it prepped, like you yeah. said, instead of just just get up planting, you're actually prepping it right. It would be the final step as you made the last pass. The last pass where you drag hair or right, something, put exactly. it in there. And, yes. Because that, that nitrogen is going to be there, and uh, it just gives it a little boost, you know, kind of like your coffee in the morning. It gets you up and going. Right. Yep. 
But like if you're the 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 P and K, you'd really want to add that months before an incorporation. That's why I would would recommend pulling a soil sample in the fall. Yes. So you could get your you know come up with your blend there and get it out and get it get it incorporated in the soil and because with our heavy clay soils, all these nutrients get tied up and bound up in in our soil. So you know you want to get it in there and let it break down and stuff like that. And going back to what you're talking about the pre-emerge and stuff. I mean, in a perfect world, you'd have your sprayer hooked on or somebody following you right behind while you're planting. Mm-hmm. And like Twinkie said, too, you really need to rain on it pretty quick. You know, first five, ten days, you need to rain on your pre-emerge. Okay. And this, and you don't have to have a big rain. Uh, a cumulative of half an inch is just enough to, to get it incorporated in the soil and, and get it active. Yeah, I know some of them you're supposed to disc in and some of yep. them you're supposed to yep. spray on the surface. God, I just want to make sure I'm understanding something and I want it to kind of soak into the audience because, you know, in years past, guys have planted their food plots and fertilized at the same time. But what you're suggesting, pulling from the agricultural background that you have, is that you soil test in the fall or the winter. Be prepared and go ahead and add the P and K. Oh yeah, whenever, go ahead, whenever you get it can. in there, that way nature can take its to- course and it start breaking down over time. That's right. Now I'm gonna defer Dudley jump in too, but that's that's true for any crop. That's yeah. true for food plots. Yeah. That's true for anything, Bobby. You know, and then then we're gonna come back and at the time of planting, we're gonna add some some nitrogen at that time. I mm-hmm. would just to give it a little boost, kind of a little kick to get get up and going. Because you got to think when that plant's young and it's setting roots and it's reaching down and grabbing stuff, you don't want it thirsty. You want it to have what it needs available right then to take off. So, uh, one, uh, one thing, Dudley. So, in in the cases where, I mean, our food plot people are probably the worst, including me, of not using the proper sequence. And then, you know, it's time to plant, spread some fertilizer out. I mean, even after we have a crop of whatever clover, brassicas, or whatever. Wouldn't it be best to use a foliar to get the P and K if you haven't been able to incorporate it months before? I mean, it. I don't think it replaces a, it's, you know, putting out bulk granular, but it. But, but I mean, I'm just helps. if I've already the, got a stand and putting that P and K on top of the ground is all I do. It's kind of it's kind of like uh, using a foliar. I would say would kind of be like a band aid to a problem. You getting the the instant fix then, but right. you're still not fixing. Your soul for right, but for that crop, I'm just thinking if someone's if listening you, to this, if you get in a bind, get yeah, behind, and they hadn't fertilized and they know they need it, it's just you know it's already whatever six inches or a foot tall. You're almost other than the nitrogen, you're kind of wasting your money. Right. And I'm just thinking that's the time a foliar and mixed with your second spraying might yeah. be really helpful. Again, only helps that one crop, doesn't help your soil. Right, but that crop's what you're looking at. So I'm just. Uh, I think that might be smarter for some people if they're late. Something something else I've kind of done, seen in my research of sunflower planting here is uh, uh, sunflowers are a huge user of boron. Yeah. Yes. Uh, beans too. Beans too. And what boron, without getting too scientifical, it, it kind of helps all the other nutrients metabolize and move throughout the plant. It's kind of like a, you learn in biology, the mitochondria of the cell is the brain. That's, that's what it does. It says, okay, well, this plant here is starving for phosphorus. Let's let's move a little more kind of around like that. But and you can get a liquid boron to spray foliar, like he said. Yeah, it's a, mix yep. it in the tank. Yep. Our main grain's got boron in it. I'm yep. Right. yep, yep, it does. Yep. yep, and it's a very small amount, typically a pound yep. an acre. So. And 
And, you know, people, you think of nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium as your main three nutrients. And they, they're, you know, they're the livelihood of your stuff. But the macronutrients, you know, in certain soil type situations, environmental conditions, like zinc, boron, sulfur, all that, it can play just a point, vital role for a healthy plant as anything else. I remember high pH soils being school that molybdenum was very important in a higher pH to grow a lagoon. But uh, I think, for the most part, our soil, our soil analysis, if you tell them what you're going to plant, it will give you all, yeah. just about you, all these uh, trace minerals. Just go by and get you a, a soil sample bag from your extension office, or we offer that service, stuff like that, and pull your soil sample and send it off, and you get a report back, and I can actually plug in your crop, and it, it gives you a whole blend and everything of what you need for that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, all the way down to your micronutrients and your lime and all that. Yeah, we've got that. We've got a soil test on yeah. our website. It's yeah. just a great oh, service. You, you know, like I said, the soil the soil sampling is probably <laughs> the most unseen benefit to anything. You know, it just it gives you helps your fertility start out good and everything like that. And it's, it's also a step I think that a bunch of people don't do, and it's simple because they don't know. You know, or, right? Well, I mean, if you and again, y'all tell me, but. It seems that if you go ahead and do that, especially then, you're it, you benefit in the future too. You're not having to correct quite so much every year like you right. would if you just you, you know you, just uh, blindly you know, throw you, fertilizer out. If you it. start out, you know, and you and you do do your soil sampling and you monitor your levels, eventually you get to what you can build your fertility up enough to you do what we call a maintenance blend, and it may be cost a third of what a, a usual is because you finally gotten your levels up. Because they've starved so much to to equilibrium and cheapens up and it's you know and then you know like last year input costs were so high in the farmer world we had customers that because of their fertility levels being so high that they they could just put out a maintenance plan and and you know trying to trim a dollar where you can just because mm-hmm. well you're you talking know. about starving too don't a lot of people go back get their crops ready in the winter and go ahead and do their fertilizers in and plant a cover crop just simply because every time you diss that ground you're robbing it well not necessarily i mean cover crops that's a whole whole different conversation for something else but no, no uh, i'm just yeah, talking we about putting our, putting our fertilizer stuff in the fall time yeah, uh, but you know, by putting that cover crop out there, when you spray and kill it in the spring, you're actually you're not robbing nutrients. You're putting nutrients that's back right. into no, the no, soil. No, no, no. I mean, disking it every time. They're going ahead and prepping it so they don't have to come back and disk it again. Oh, uh, that's more of time consuming to let your bed settle and everything. You know, and incorporating the P and K right. on ahead of time. That's right. It, it won't translate, translocate, translocate real easy in this clay. That's right. Soil. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I tell you that you, you know to do this right, it's uh, it, you know, it's a lot of you got to got to think about what you're doing and right. be smart about this. That's right. You know, the information's out there. We're giving it now. We're going to publish something. I mean, it's really, and this is where I fall short, just clear the deck, get you a piece of paper, make notes and a plan, instead of just help the skeleton to go do it. And it makes such a big difference to listen, especially the preliminary details of getting the soil right and, you know, the right prayer modes. He does great saying, start clean, stay clean. Kind yeah. of a, a recommendation I would have, too, is, don't don't feel so time pressed, you know. If don't say I've got to plant this date. Well, if you look at the weather and it's still fifty degree nights and and you're getting constant rain, well, that's just setting that seed back. So if you can wait two weeks for warmer temperatures, better planting conditions, your ten to one gonna have a better stand, faster emergence, and everything's more healthy. 
yeah, you're behind two weeks, but you know, you got a, you got a crop. You don't have a, a failure. Well, that's the thing too. Like we were trying and trying to get done before May the 1st and we were trying and trying to beat the rain in all reality. If Twinkie and I had planted 10 days later, it wouldn't have made no difference. It would have been the plant. Probably would have been better. The plant would actually probably been more head and better and healthier than it is now. So what if a guy's listening to this right now and he's saying, well, I want to, is it too late to try some in the here no, in the deep south? Uh, no, you know, well, here's the other thing Twinkie can tell you too. What's the maturity on them sunflowers? It's 92 to 104 days but on, that's the, on the variety we planted. No, that's full. That's full maturity of the plant. But so what you'll have you'll have to have two more weeks of dry down time. But you will, you know, it's, I, I would say if somebody wanted to try it to get after it, if nothing else. Like Taki said, it's got benefits to other oh gosh, other yeah. wildlife, your yeah, turkeys. Yeah. I it's, mean, on, it's only too late for there's two things you're too late you're too late for the opening day or weekend or first season, but then you might be too late as the days start getting shorter here in a little while yeah. that it might not you know put as much seed on or something. But I would expect with ninety something days you could plant on into late July and still get a crop maybe yeah. mid July. Well, so you've got plenty of time, I think. Well, my thing, you think. Yeah, I, I would assume the photo period getting shorter would possibly force them to flower and make seeds if right. you were late. And another, the plant may be a little shorter. It may have a little bit smaller seeds. Right. But it'll. I have planted them things in late July before, and the difference was they still put a head on, but they did not put a bigger head on, and they did not get as tall, but they still matured. Right. Um, and here's the other thing that I've always just assumed like he said, the maturity day is 90 to 100 days. Well, in my mind, okay, they're not ready till 90 to 100 days, and that's when the birds can start eating them, and that's not true. They got they got to dry down. Right. And, you know, there's if if you're in a time crunch area, it's harvest age that you can speed up the drying down process, sure. you know, with the with the right, you know, chemicals and, and licenses and all that. You know. And this uh, – I'll just say this. This information sounds confusing, <laughs> but – uh, I mean, there's pub well, publications. Yes. Uh, the one that you're okay. looking at is by Mississippi State. Yeah. Uh, they they sent it to me yesterday. Uh, Kevin Nelms, y'all probably you probably know it. Uh, John Allison, Bronson Strickland, and uh, Bill Hammer. They sent a really nice. Yeah. Where, it'll be in our show notes, so a guy can go download this and print it. Right, and it's got more information. Um, and so it sounds like we've got a lot of the the planning and management covered. So once it's ready, uh, we never really talked about. Picking a proper site that doves prefer over other sites. (laughs) Like, you know, I think y'all mentioned it earlier, not really putting it down in a deep bottom that's long, you know, narrow. You want to be up closer to the top of a hill, you know, doves like open ground, lots of hedgerows and things for them to land on. Uh, what would be like the minimum acreage you guys think to to attract? It it just, I mean, I, you know, you think an acre, that's not a, uh, you think that's not very big, but you go to doing all this, and it depends on what kind of equipment. You know, if you got a one row push planter out there, acres a whole lot. Yep, uh, Bobby. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't, and I wouldn't think if somebody wanted to try it, just don't wake up tomorrow and say I'm going to grow ten acres of sunflowers. You know, one bag like the bags we sell, a plant three acres is seventy five thousand count seed bags. I'd say buy a bag and try it. You know, uh, yeah. Or if you want to do three dick, make your own. See what works for you. you I know? mean, they, they, how close do you have deer or hogs? That, that's say. the thing. Because if you're if you're clean from deer or hogs, you probably could. Especially if you made it longer and skinnier. One acre might be a great little dove field. Yeah, no problem. Could, but 
If you have a lot of, if you're close proximity to deer and hogs, hogs you, I don't know. I don't even know what that number is. Well, you'd probably have to have a good electric fence. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah, I've been seeing these by, in fact, we're going to start trying to do some work with them, but the Gallagher folks make a good electric fence. I they think. make a great one. Yeah, we, yeah, we've been talking about doing some stuff with um, them. Are there any companion plantings you might want to do along the sunflowers, like to hide in or, I don't know, provide, provide seed? Good old whistleback would be yeah, a good one every It would time. be a good one. It sure yeah. would. So I wanted to ask, Doxie and Twinkie, while you're here, so what? Let, let's fast forward. These things have matured. Are you running a silage cutter through yours and spraying it out? No, or are you running no. a bush hog? What? Well, I don't have a silage cutter to start with. So <laughs> I'm thinking uh, one of the things we haven't done, I've done it once, and really helped was no matter what we do in our world here, so many weeds, even with a clean crop for the most part, you're going to end up as they dry down having a bunch of weeds, especially in our world. Johnson grass is so bad and prevalent, so you almost need to go back and have a – once they're really – fully made and have another burner. He talked about something might aid the drying process, but we have actually glyphosate, you know, because there's all kind of green stuff and garbage coming up under them when they start to dry down. And that way, if you do like bush hog them or do something, you got clean soil for them. And they're not, they're not falling on a carpet of vegetation. That's yeah, right. We're, we're pro uh, dirty food plot, but in the <laughs> instance of doves, no. yeah, there's, you just don't. Well, here's the thing about this. No, no. That's one good thing about sunflowers. I took my cousin John Paul one a few years ago, and it's just unbelievable. If you do them right, it's unbelievable. Well, here's the thing. Dove hunting, people are going to start mid-August, and they're going to work hard for one weekend. That's what they're going to do. They're going to get it ready, and they're going to hunt one weekend, and that's it. You come in here, and you plant your sunflowers. Not only are they better, but you plant your sunflowers in the springtime. You might spray once or twice. You're done. You're waiting on dove season. The other thing about that is I don't cut them down. We I bush hog some strips in them. I bush hog around the edges so I have clean edges, but you leave them standing. And the reason for that is, first of all, doves love sunflowers. They're awesome. Second of all, you can hunt first season, second season, third season if they're still standing. But you're definitely, definitely going to get at least a couple months out of them as long as you don't mess with them. Yeah, well, I think these people that do it or, or, or yeah, have I, been doing it, they just take down a few rows right, at a time yeah, through the season. Not the I don't think field. anybody get rid of Because once, like, they love them so much. And once they find them, yeah. I, I, yeah. I see them getting up off the flowers all so the time. So I've seen these guys that use these silage cutters, though, and it seems to do a better job of busting up that head than well, bush it's, hogging. It's a silage cutter's chopping it up. It's, yeah. you know, it's going through an actual chopping process. you got to be careful it doesn't chop the seed in half, yeah. though. You know, yeah. you do too much. And, uh, if you what got are you a, seeing people use that? Just that, bush hogs. Is, I mean, is right? silage you, it, in this part of the world is – if you see a silage cutter, it's probably got a bodock tree growed up between it. You know, it's just nobody that, has them anymore. Yeah, nobody okay. cut silage. Oh, okay. And it's not that much better. Yeah, and we need to point out here too, it just that that you know every state may be a little bit different. This right. is a Correct. federal migratory bird. We need to be, make sure we stay within what Hon- that state's. Honestly, if someone didn't even have ability to go get a bush hogger, anybody could do this. Probably has one. Honestly, you just need to get them on the ground. They don't have to be spread on the ground like you're thinking by the silage cutter. If you just run over them and leave them laying on the ground, that's a step. And maybe just in a strip or two to help them get started well, on it. That's all the, you need. We hunted the place last year. And, of course, we hunted the state that actually does a place, too, you can hunt. But uh, they didn't bush hog them. They, uh, and I'm not saying the state, the other place hunted they literally just took a disc and dropped it lightly and made one pass down and one pass back, and that's what they did. 
knocked them on. So the most of the heads were still either were on the ground or right barely yeah. above. That's the right, ground. and they had the ground so bare that they didn't have to disc it under good, and they didn't have to do that because so it was just a clean table. One of the years we had a pretty good hunt. I don't know if y'all noticed when I did that, and I had some brown top. This is really the only one of the few times I've really gotten a lot of them in brown top. I just used a culture packer. Yep, just lays them flat on the ground yep. like a pancake, and you know if there is any little bit of vegetation, it kind of flattens it all out, but it puts the food on the ground and. We've got this huge head in here I kept from a couple of years ago. But if it's a pretty decent-sized head and dried, it'll probably shatter it on the ground, too. So if you've got a little culture packer, that might be the easiest thing. That's a big one, Twinkie, isn't it? That, that is. Is yeah. that the one we played at Neil's a few years ago? Not, I think that one came from the Bowman Place, uh, actually. And also, another uh, point, benefit we hadn't brought up about these sunflowers is – they're very pretty to look at, so if oh, yeah, uh, yeah. kind of in a doghouse and mama mad at you, <laughs> yes, you just go by and get a jar of them late one summer evening, and, I mean, it's guaranteed to make you smile <laughs> all day. That'll work. Actually, I'm, a, I'm from a flower-crazy family, and it is, he's exactly right. Yeah, I can see that. Well, yep. So if you have to justify this budget, I mean, that's right there. So I, think, I think Clay did his senior photos in a sunflower field. That's about 40 years so ago. They, <laughs> the one thing about sunflowers, and maybe that's how they got their name. How'd they get their name, Dudley? Because they follow the sun. All of them are pointed like east or southeast. Isn't that right? You every, know what that's every, called? Every that, single. That's a behavior. Do you know what that's called? I have no idea. Clay, do you know? I do not. Yeah, it's called. Uh, Twinkie knows this. Careful, he, he and I were talking about Dudley this. does know, and if you're wrong, Dudley, he's going to tell it's you. Called? Uh, not at the moment. <laughs> Heliotropism. I have heard that. I have heard I've heard that, too. Yeah, sure is. Twinkie was telling me But that. I don't think they actually follow them. They just like to get the morning sun, I guess. But they're all turned the same way. So when you drive through your sunflower field with your sweetie or whoever, be sure you're around <laughs> on the east side of the sunflowers. Because if you go the it looks like there's hardly any sunflowers. And you go by the other way, it's like a sea of gorgeous yellow. You kind of you kind of call that your banker crop. Make sure the end row is clean, bush hauled, <laughs> that's right. pretty good drive by. You know the backside, you just kind of yeah. let it do what it's going to do. That's a great. Right that's a great comment. Yeah. The biker side. All right, what else do we need to ask about this? We've. It's, I'm ready to go shoot some doves. Well, yeah. the only other thing I think you should post when you post that stuff too, because most people won't look at it. Because me and Twinkie had to take a second look at it the other day. It's like I said, the one place we planted, we had a pretty good stand. We come back, thought they had just dwindled down or the spray had uh, uh, stunted them. And once we got to looking at them closer, the deer had eaten the tops out of every single one of them. But people just glancing at it will think, well, that gum, they're not growing that good. No, the deer have just eaten half of them, but there's still a couple of leaves on it, so it looks like they're just slow. And he's talking about mine, by the way. Well, I- they come back. <laughs> well, does that plant have a terminal bud? Uh, I think they're going to get eight back yeah. so much that it's the, the it's pretty much damage is going to be detrimental. It's not there. as bad as soybeans. I've seen them, and actually, they'll 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 develop shoots off the stem yep. and put flowers on too. But no, they're never going to be the same if they take the top off of all of them. To start with Twinkie. When y'all were planting, uh, did you get to spend any time on one of those LS tractors? I did not. My man here was. Uh, he was taking he care was of that. It. Yeah. yeah, Clay liked it, it so had, much he won't let anybody, it, he won't even let me drive. It on. had cab and air conditioner, and yeah, that just, I guess I wasn't qualified for that. Those things are nice, aren't they? Well, they all are nice. It's really nice. Really nice. Yeah, here's, That's play, some new equipment, so I had to try it out. Yeah, he can pick anything apart. He's so, what, do you think, what do you think about the LS tractor, Clay? I love them. The, the, the last one that we got, I think it was a 101 or whatever it was, that's got the electric power shift, and 
one thing's different about that that I like is you know how most people you raise your hydraulics up, I mean your three point hitch up and down, and you got a draft and you got to raise. Well, this one's got a preset on it, so you can just hit the lever and it's going to come back to where you had it or drop it to where you had it. It's pretty neat. It's actually very quick. Mm. They're so well made. Yeah, um, I've been so impressed. That's good to hear. Dudley, you got anything well, to add? Well, I was going to say, you know, all this stuff, again, it, it sounds somewhat complicated. It sounds expensive. You might not have all the equipment. But one thing I would suggest, you know, you might be able to get together with some of your buddies and lease 10 acres out in the middle of the country on some open ground, and you could split all the cost. It's almost like you're in a dove club or, a you know, a hunting club, and then uh, all of you pitch in on it, and then... All of you have somewhere to go every Sunday great, afternoon and have a dove hunt. So great. I know a couple. Don't of think it's too overwhelming. You, you yes. know, a dove hunt is a group of people anyway. So get your group to. Well, great point. Go like in. people could lease a duck blind in a great area, and maybe that's expensive, but you don't have to have much ground if you're in the right place for a great duck spot. Right. He's making a great point. You have to. You don't have to lease a couple hundred acres or a thousand acres like a deer hunting club or something or turkeys. You could find that spot, and I, my advice would be. On top of what Dudley said, get you something long term, because you you know ducks migratory stuff you imprint and you start having a lot of good uh, food there, you're going to have a place they come back to every year too. So I would be sure and get a longer term lease yeah, on. Maybe it's a that. farmer buddy. And you, hey, and you know, y'all all pitch in. They don't spend any money. Their their donation may be their time. So the other thing you talked about, it seems confusing. But every time we try to go down the road and make it simple, ABC. We kind of get derailed because there's so many details. It is the the fact is every everything we do in every plant community that we grow, it is complex. The the science and the biology behind it. So, uh, you know, that doesn't mean it shouldn't be overwhelming. That's why we have the published information about it, and everybody learns from their own experiences. But everything, the chemistry behind all of it, is the same. The last thing I'd want to say about sunflowers is that there's just so many more benefits than a dove hunt. Now, Bobby's thinking, take my dog, shoot my gun. I love birds. I love birds. I and mean, he loves any kind of feathers. But uh, honestly, and this is feathers too, deer. I mean, it's it's one of the ultimate ice cream foods for wildlife. And uh, the few times I remember back in the day, the deer density one was, I used to have all the Contra Lake property. And we mm-hmm. planted a big power line. There's a big double transmission line with sunflowers. And it was unbelievable. All year long and even into the next spring, there were sunflower heads left. And I was watching those big gobblers just walk down a stalk, stalk and then just hammer those heads. They love sunflowers. Oh, yeah. If you can do it. Now, it may be so valuable you want to put a hog wire fence around something permanently to keep maybe deer. or you know, Then you could put one strand of electric fence around that, keep deer and hogs, both that. It may be worth investing in that because they're that attractive to wildlife. Mm. Yep. Well, y'all got me excited. Well, they're attractive to Dudley. Dudley's too, eating sunflowers yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah. <laughs> he sure is. Twinkie, I, uh, thank you for coming up yes, here. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me. Anything else you need to make sure you point out or tell us? Uh, What's your I, cell phone number? I, I <laughs> would point out to, you know, like you said, state by state is different. Uh, and when you dive into the herbicide technology, get online or go to your, your – get your restricted use permit. Most extension – I know in Mississippi – you can get online and take it as a twenty-five question quiz with about a thirty-minute video. That way, if you, you know if you, if you're out there spraying and you, you see a chemical you need, you you have the means to get it. You know, whereas and, and and it also gives you the knowledge and the know of 
You don't want to just load up with this and go over and spray it. No. Next thing you know, you done wiped out grandma's garden. You better show up with some sunflowers and tomatoes later on. You know? <laughs> yeah. So I'd say just be kind of self-aware of everything and all the state laws and regulations. That's a good point. Well, that's just, just great information. Twinkie, yeah. uh, if guys want to learn a little bit more about Nutrien, is there a website? Yeah, uh, just look up NutrienAgSolutions.com. We're the largest ag retailer in the industry. We're all over the U.S., Canada, branching out in they're, Australia. They're everywhere. So we uh, – and and I'm going to tell you, everybody that works there probably enjoys to hunt, so they'd be more than willing to help you and, and you know, just any kind of knowledge that we can offer. Do they listen to our podcast? Uh, I have several buddies that do, yes, sir. Nutrient Ag, N-U-T-R-I-E-N. Yeah. Right? Tell them Twinkie sent you. <laughs> How did so, you get the name Twinkie real quick? Well, so one time I was headed to the store. I was a little younger fella, and uh, my daddy got me. We had a store about two miles up the road, and daddy got to where he would let me drive a Nissan truck up there. Well, the more I drove, the more comfortable I got. Well, I drove up there and got me a little snack, and it just happened to be a Twinkie that day. And I come around the curve a little too fast, and it slid over in the floorboard. Well, I reached over there to get it, and next thing you know, I done centered a tree. Well, mm. after that was the cause of the wreck, that was causing it. Somebody called me that, my buddy Holden Coggins, we were in seventh grade, called me that one day at football practice. And uh, ever since then, I've been Twinkie. You know, it's it's weird to hear my real name called, so I just <laughs> it's just easier to go by Twinkie. Do you even know his real name? I, I don't. <laughs> it's actually Hunter. Yep. It's what? Hunter. Hunter. Well, I like that. Yeah. Well, Only time I, he played ball with Daniel Neal, <clears throat> baseball, football, all that stuff all the way through. And the only person I ever heard him call him Hunter would be like his mom when she was mad at him. Like, Hunter! Yeah. You shouldn't have dropped that ball. Or Hunter, get over here. Everybody that's, was Twinkie. That's, it's been Twinkie ever since. Yep. Wow. I ain't even heard John call you Hunter. So I like wow. Twinkie. Wow. Yep. I've been called worse, so. <laughs> well, Twinkie, we appreciate you being here. We've, I've seen us. you around. We all, we always talked. I yeah. never knew your name, but uh, you get your the name your mother gave to you, but uh, <laughs> it's a good one too. Uh, but thank you for being here yes, and sir. for what you do and the input. Look, guys, this can't be real hard if Clay can do it. It, anybody can Absolutely. do it. I'll remember that next time you call me. Toxie, I'm looking forward to next dove season now. Oh, yeah. Well, we're, we're trying. So, Clay will tell you, especially for working with me, the, the only way we learn stuff is go out there and screw it up enough, and that'll teach you to not, you know, cut corners or whatever. Take your time and do it right. Trial yep. and error. Yep. Yep. It will. So, Dudley, uh, re, re, you know, this uh, this thing, uh, Mississippi State sent us, uh, Bronson sent us this uh, Mississippi State Extension Service on growing sunflowers. It'll be in the show notes. I'm just reminding everybody okay. again. And Dudley got it printed out. It's really informative. It is. Bronson, he's always takes care of us. Oh, so. he's, a, he's amazing. All right, guys, this one went a little longer than I thought it would, but there's some great information. Yes, sir. Yeah. And uh, we, we appreciate it. So why don't you say goodbye, Dudley? Goodbye, Dudley. <laughs> Get us out of here, Cleve. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Gamekeeper Podcast. And be sure to tune in again. Subscribe to Gamekeeper Farming for Wildlife magazine. And don't miss the Mossy Oak Properties Fistful of Dirt podcast with my good buddy, Ronnie Cuz Strickland.